Welcome to the REI Foundation Podcast, where we cover all the steps and strategies to make your real estate dreams a reality. Now your hosts, Jason and Peely. Hi, everybody, and welcome again to the REI Foundation Podcast with Jason and Peely. Today, we invite Danny Rendazzo to the show. Hi, Danny. Hey, Jason. Hey, Peely. Thank you guys so much for having me on today. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Well, we had a, a great uh, pre-conversation, pre-podcast conversation with Danny, and uh, he actually moved seats and put together uh, this quick map behind us of all the places he visited. How many countries have you actually visited? Um, it's over 50, somewhere between 50 and 70 when I um, get a final tally. But um, it's been you know, kind of one of those life, life-changing pieces, the first country you go to, and then... Um, just something to keep you interested, go out and experience other cultures and really have an appreciation for um, really living in the best country with unlimited possibilities for entrepreneurs and business owners. And it's just a great way to experience life and spend time with those that you love. My wife and I get around and travel a lot. So we really enjoy it. And real estate is something that interests us highly as a um, means to motivate our lifestyle and afford us the opportunities to travel around. Love it. Fantastic. Love it. That, well, that would lead us right into how did you first get started in real estate? I first got started in real estate when I moved back from an international job overseas in the United Arab Emirates. And I had um, what I like to call a, a big equity nest egg that I had. And I was thinking to myself, do I invest this in the stock market? Do I invest in real estate? Do I invest in a business? And going back to my roots and kind of my education and background, um, I knew that investing what I had and not spending money on some fancy car or you know clothes or things like that, my investment was something that would afford me opportunities in life to do things that I really want to do. So at that point in time, it was 2013 when I moved back. I was in California in the Bay Area, and the market was just slowly creeping back up from 2008-2010 timeframe. So I was able to buy a primary residence at a a pretty good discount and live in it for about two and a half years and really see some great Bay Area appreciation to to continue to build that equity nest egg. And then um, during that time, I was able to rent out a couple of the rooms in the house and basically live for free. And then in 2016, my wife and I, girlfriend at the time, moved across country from San Francisco to Charleston, South Carolina, where we were focused solely on building a real estate investment company where we purchase properties um, individually, but then also syndicate deals with other investors for value add or cash flow plays between the commercial and multifamily um, assets. Did you move to Charleston just for the focus of the business or was there another uh, a motive towards the move? You know what? There was an aha moment. I remember uh, my girlfriend and I, wife now, sitting in our house in California talking about lifestyle and what do we want and how do we travel to the places we want to be and you know, part of my day job currently is a financial consultant. So I travel weekly and it's a pretty grueling job um, to be away from family 
for a couple days during the week, home on the weekends, and then back out of town on a plane on Monday morning. So we were sitting there talking about what do we want for our life and how do we want to live a quality life where we control our time versus being on other people's schedules. So California is pretty expensive. There's more traffic than other markets. And we, we were sitting there saying, it's kind of crazy that we need to plan our Saturday around avoiding traffic during the 10 to 2 grind where you don't want to be out on the road. And I said, this is ridiculous. We need to do something different. By the way, you know, my job is not going to continue to probably work as I progress. And there's a higher demand for more travel and time away from you and time away from our future kids. And really, how do we want to spend our time? So we said enough's enough. Let's move to Charleston, South Carolina. Now, we had a couple of different places on the map between Dallas and Florida um, and a couple other markets in Texas. But we settled on Charleston because we had a community of people. Uh, My wife was from Charleston. And so we had a group that we could get ingrained with. Um, We have a broker and an attorney in-house who's part of our team. Um, So it was a great way for us to get started with an existing network in place where we weren't starting from scratch, but we love the community here. It's very welcoming. It's a great place to live. Um, Cost of living is reasonable. The people are excellent. There's a growing economy in terms of jobs and population growth. So two of the major factors that I look for in a good real estate market we're experiencing here in Charleston and continuing to to grow from that perspective. And then the quality of life is um, it's just excellent. There's not a lot of traffic, things to do. You can get around easy. You've got the ocean close by. The airport is close so we can get to everywhere we need to be. I'm sold. As we, just, yeah, <laughs> so, as we sit here in uh, lovely New Jersey right now. The other piece, so I grew up in Detroit and uh, I always said to myself, when I'm out of here, I'm not going to move to a place where there's winter or snow. So Charleston's been very great and welcoming in that fact where we can be outside year round and not hibernate for a couple of months. Yeah, we, we hate you right now. So we, <laughs> so we, we appreciate that. But anyway. I, I welcome you guys down anytime. You'll absolutely love it. I was going to say, sure do you know anybody that has a house to sell? Because <laughs> we're moving there next week. Yeah, actually, I do. My wife and I are looking to move. So we've got a couple of places um, if you're interested. But <laughs> Done. Done. Well, oh, to go back to your story, great action taking. You and your wife sit down, realize that your life isn't where you want it to be, took action. You moved clear across, across the country to your wife's hometown where you knew you had you had a foundation to work off of. Oh, there's that word, foundation. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so kudos to you for the, that action taking. So when you got back to, or even as you were starting to ramp up in real estate, how did you learn and who helped mentor you? Who, how, did you how did you learn the steps that you now take in your career? The, you know, I've always been... Um, a self-starter individual where I just kind of get a little itch and I have to scratch it. So I was always interested in finance at a young age. I ran um, different small businesses. I had a, a lawn mowing business. I would sell my lunch that my mom packed during high school. I would sell it. I would make a profit. I would buy lunch and then have extra money around. So I was always an entrepreneur at heart and had 
um, many different avenues. But one of those things I took very seriously was reading. Um, I, I read for fun, but fun to me is um, stock market books, real estate books, finance books. And so I've always been very diligent around that and really building the foundation of what drives me is that education component. So, you know, the, the key word and what I love about you guys in the podcast that you have is that foundation and how your audience and the other folks that you've had on are really ingrained in building that strong foundation. You know, part of your guys' background in flipping houses and and investing in multifamily deals is that strong foundation to build off of. So when I was really looking at it, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad was a major influence, but then the counterpoint to that was a book written by Dolph DeRoss, who is an investor um, with Trump, but his whole piece is around commercial investing. And what I love about commercial investing compared to single families or small multifamilies is commercial investing. You have the ability to really scale and grow your monthly cash flow in a faster method if your price point is obviously higher. There's a, a difference between buying 10 um, $100,000 single family homes versus $1 million commercial property where you can have you know, lower maintenance, lower management oversight, and, and potentially higher margin when you bring in some of those commercial triple net lease options as compared to a single family rental. So um, reading those books by Dolph DeRoss and Robert Kiyosaki, I would say, were the foundation that drove me to make the decision to invest either in commercial properties, which I elected to do so, over your traditional single family or small four unit multi path. Awesome. And so that trajectory, where is that taking you today in your business? What is your current focus within the commercial investing? My current focus with commercial investing is to grow the passive income or the cash flow per month with some of those investments. So I, I like to focus a lot on you know what I want for my personal goals and my family goals around how much income do we want to generate from our investments and what is that monthly cash flow number. So from that perspective, when evaluating commercial opportunities, um, we like to look for properties that will, number one, produce cash flow on day one of purchase or very quickly thereafter if there is a value add component. We're not looking to do um, spec builds or any sort of um, development of a new commercial building. We're trying to buy cash flow producing properties uh, from day one to generate additional income, and then also have the opportunity to increase the value of that asset through increased revenue to that property, either through you know, increasing rents with tenants or um, potentially adding different streams of revenue, whether it be you know, renting out the parking lot on the weekend to a limo service, or you know, just kind of thinking outside of the box of if we add an additional $1,000 of income per month, you know, that equates to 
a significant portion when you um, value that property at the cap rate based on the current NOI. So little things like that, that can make a big impact to a large asset um, within the commercial space. Could you give us a, a recent project or maybe one you're working on, just a, a little more context for a, of just a deal you're working on? Yeah. So one of the projects um, that we picked up earlier this year was a, um, a three-unit commercial building. And one of the units was about 3,700 square feet in size. And it was rented out to a single tenant paying a pretty low um, price per square foot. And so we were able to repurpose that asset. And instead of renting out to one tenant, we broke out the 3,700 square feet into 11 different offices. And currently we're renting it at a much higher price per square foot. And we're still continuing to um, increase our occupancy. I think currently we have about six out of 11 tenants. So the property does cash flow. It's not as great as it could be, but we've made that buying decision to know going in that you know part of our work is going to be getting these single offices rented out. And in terms of the, the long-term play, if we can then generate more income, the property value will thus increase. But also, if we want to hold it, we'll have great cash flow coming off from the higher premiums that a single office tenant would pay versus one tenant occupying the whole space. I love it. And so going from one large tenant in the one unit to 11 units, how, how do you market for that? How, how do you find these tenants that, that are looking for smaller space? Like what, what's a technique that someone could use out there? You know, it is um, surprisingly difficult um, to reach some of the audience that you're looking for Um, we've tried direct mail with a fairly low response rate where we've done flyers to neighborhoods because ideally your single use tenant is going to be your attorney who probably works by themselves or maybe has an assistant where there's two desks in one office or an insurance agent or a real estate broker with a small team. So We've done um, direct mail. That's been fairly low response. We've done a couple of open houses. Again, probably our best terms of generating leads for the space has been through Craigslist. Um, There's a couple other office rental uh, websites that you can get on and list your property for rent there. Liquid Space or LoopNet are two of those. And then again, kind of cold calling. We've done some Facebook marketplace ads and Google AdWords to try to drive traffic to our website. So we try a little bit of everything and hopes that a couple things turn into leads. That's great. Cool. I I haven't heard of Liquid Space, so that's some cool things in there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So what is, as you're growing your business, what is something you're currently working on to improve your business right now? In terms of improving the business right now, I'm always trying to think of better or different ways to do things. Um, and, And one of the things that I've really tried to focus on is not being so much tied to one asset class, but being open to a variety of asset classes in the market that I really like. So if you talk to me about Charleston, South Carolina, I now know most of the streets 
I know most of the neighborhoods. I can tell you the demographic that lives in there, the type of people, the type of jobs that are coming in there. So to me, um, it's just being open to opportunities. So last month, we just picked up a single family um, rental and we actually are doing Airbnb out of that because the margins are so great. So again, I like to say that I'm focused on commercial, but um, I'm not one to uh, to shy away from a good deal if it comes across. So in that standpoint, there's a couple of neighborhoods that we really like and um, actively pursue ways to find off-market deals in those areas, um, whether it be a commercial space, a single family, or a multifamily investment. Um, we find that the returns are really good and we really like the um, the economic indicators for the market here. Love it. That's nice. great. Well, you sound like us looking for the opportunity. So exactly. we, we love it. That's well, I was going to awesome. say, how do you fight the urge of the, um, what's that, the shiny object syndrome? How do you fight that or do you just go along with it? You know, I, I would say I probably fight that every day, just like everybody else. I am, I'm not a superhuman or superman. Um, as a shiny object comes along, um, sometimes you just got to look at it, right? It, it's yeah. so shiny. It's going to grab your attention. But um, at the end of the day, I'm very focused on building again, the business, the foundation, the reason why behind it, the lifestyle change, the control of my time um, to be with my wife and, you know, our future family is really the driver behind it. So, you know, I might look at a shiny object, but at the end of the day, I'm looking for opportunities to increase income, um, have great deals for investors to invest alongside me in, and opportunities to um, to clean up the community, whether it be a flip or having a, a good rental in the area to host people at. Um, so that's kind of the why. And you know, I might look at the shiny object and get a little distracted, but at the end of the day, if it's a good opportunity, we're going to pursue it. Nice, that's great. That's great. In your business now, so let's talk about, I will say a setback or a learning experience that you've had that we could help the uh, listeners hopefully avoid going forward. Well, there's been plenty of those to learn from. Um, means you're doing stuff. What's that? That means you're doing stuff. So. (laughs) Right, right. Live and learn and uh, don't dwell on the past, but focus on the future. That's one of the things my dad always tried to instill in me, just keep moving forward, learn from it, accept it and move on. Um, so from that standpoint, one of the things that immediately jumps to mind is probably a mistake in, um, negotiating and probably getting a little too excited about the shiny object syndrome where you find a good deal in a market or a neighborhood that you really like and being a little aggressive when you may just need to think on it for 24 hours, 48 hours, and let the seller kind of think on it as well um, from that standpoint. So, you know, I would say maybe being a little bit more patient and that may afford you the opportunity to save some money, be it in uh, purchase price or in the terms of the agreement. So in, in one deal, we negotiated to to buy it. And the closing date was set up for the 
26th or 27th of the month. And had I waited or negotiated to extend that to the third or the fourth of the month, we would have been able to skip one of the mortgage payments and it would have saved us a couple thousand dollars. Now, that, that's not a, a huge loss to the property, but in that event, it would just save cash flow um, for that short term. And, you know, rather than getting too excited about the opportunity, you know, just try to work with the seller on that piece. Yeah, it's great. Nice. Thank you. Yeah, it's a great point right there. You're closing at the end of the month and then closing at the beginning of the month, you can also get back to rent so you can start in a better cash flow position. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love it. So Awesome. So let's uh, dive a little bit deeper into, into what makes Danny tick. What is your big why? My big why is to be focused on getting my time back to spend. Um, and the biggest reason for that, just with my travel, I want to wake up in my own bed next to my wife every day. And right now I don't get to do that. So that's my number one why, that motivating factor that wakes me up early, that keeps me going till late in the night to just grind it out. Um, in addition to that, there's a couple other whys that I have. Um, And, you know, I I think it's really important to stay focused and get very clear on it. Last week, I sat down and wrote those whys out. I think it's really important that your listeners actually write the whys out. You may have it in your head, but when you write it out, you can look at that goal. You can make it happen. So the big one for me, control my time, wake up in my own bed, um, have control over my financial success um, versus being tied to a corporate job where that may change or may go away or, you know, maybe obsolete in a couple of years. So from that perspective, I like real estate in that regard because you can control it. You, you know, it's an asset that, you know, typically retains most of its value. You're going to have ups and downs, but um, if you're buying cash flow producing assets, that cash flow should cover your debt service if you're buying it properly. That's great. And nice. so this may be a bit repetitive. So where, where do you see your business in five years? Where will you be? Where will I be in five years? I always try to keep in mind what, you know, Tony Robbins says of people underestimate what they can do, or excuse me, they overestimate what they can do in one year and underestimate what they can do in 10. So in five years, I would see the business having $100 million in assets under management and control. Um, the other big piece to that is in five years, I would see a um, personal cash flow of probably 100000 a month. Love it. Love it. That's great. Nice. Yeah. Thank you. That's and really I'm, good. I'm gonna actually going to backtrack like two steps back to what you said about everybody knowing and writing down their goals. I want to tell all the, all the listeners out there, you should actually be writing down your goals, goals every day and telling that goal to yourself all the time. Because once you get into your head, it's, a, you know, it's, just, it's mm-hmm. just time. Yeah, it sure is. And just verifiable, justifiable goals is the hardest thing to have. Because you can just say, I want to invest in real estate, but what does that actually mean? 
So great steps for you. I love yeah, those points those right numbers. there. And look forward to seeing you in five years at those points. So that's awesome. Cool. The steps now would be, we would love to know if you were backtracking to when you first got started, what would be something that you would have loved to hear from someone around you to help you take your first stab into real estate? Taking the first step into real estate. Um, you know, I would say it's still something that I'm working on as far as surrounding myself with more like-minded individuals and mentors to help guide as you go through new transactions. Um, so from that standpoint, you know, I would love to have more people around me to support and, uh, have a, a continued network. Um, you know, you, you guys and I are, are connected in that sense where we have a community around us and we can bounce ideas off of people. But, um, I think it's, it's really important to step outside of your computer and connect in person with people, you know, walk, walk people through your property or show them what you're working on and just validate your numbers. So for me getting started, I, um, I think it would have been helpful. I probably would have avoided some of the mistakes that I've made having a mentor or someone to help kind of coach me through the process or tell me what they've learned. Um, part of what I do now, you know, I have friends who'll contact me if they're just buying their first primary residence and saying, help me through the contract piece or help me through the negotiating piece uh, because it's their first time doing it. And now, you know, I've done many deals and know how to get through the basics of the contract and tricky things that you don't understand until the first time you've done something. So from that standpoint, I think I'm still searching for it, but um, you know, just have a mentor, go to somebody locally, even connect with them online, but make sure you can get there, get them on the phone and have them help, help you walk through the scenario just to be another eyes and ears. And, you know, if they know more than you do, it'll certainly be helpful. Yeah, that's great. It's a great action step. Find a mentor. Yeah. I love it. it it's just, it's, it's so easy, but so many people just want to do it themselves. But why not just see what other people are doing, see what's worked and follow those tracks. So great stuff. Thank you. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah. I think it's really important too. You might think um, spending time to find a mentor versus spending time to go out and source off-market deals is a better use of your time. But at the end of the day, you know, having someone in your corner that you can rely on to help coach you through and give their experience and opinions about something is going to probably save you thousands down the road. Yeah. Yes. I love it. I love it. Well, what are some words to live by? Oh, words to live by. Um, be, be, um, I would say be quick to apologize if you make a mistake take ownership on your life and your actions. You know, people get caught up where they want to invest in real estate, but then they sit on the couch and watch TV for two hours in the evening. Um, you have control over your destiny. You have control over your lifestyle. There is very, very, very few excuses um, that ever should be brought up in t 
taking control of your life and really getting to where you want to be because it's up to you. And ultimately, um, I'll give a book recommendation here. Um, Extreme Ownership by Jocko Wilnick, um, an ex-Navy SEAL, just a phenomenal guy. But basically, you own your life. You own your mistakes. You own your successes. So take that seriously and, and you've got control on it. So those would be my words to live by. That was awesome. awesome. Yeah, I love it. And I, I've listened to Jocko on um, Tim Ferriss' podcast. He is, he is intense and extreme, but to the point, and a lot of it, it all makes sense. So Certainly, yeah. I love that podcast. That was a great one. Uh, it's awesome. Well, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, if, uh, if anybody out there in podcast land wants to look up Danny Randazzo, how do they do that? You can get in touch with me at investwithdanny.com. Crazy. Easy. We love it. Perfect. Yeah. We need a simpler, <laughs> simpler email and simpler, uh, everything there and you have it. So that's awesome. Well, Daddy, I am hacking that. Yeah, <laughs> one, of, one of the top tips from a mentor of mine, just have some simple website for people to go to, to get in touch with you. If I said, you know, go to Randazzo investing 101, randazzocapital.com, you guys would be confused. And how do you spell that? So investwithdanny.com. It's that's great well thank you so very much for being on our show danny that was so enlightening and so amazing thank you it was a pleasure guys i really enjoyed it i hope i was able to help your listeners and audience connect on um, any of the topics that we touched on if there's any questions that your audience has for me i would certainly be available to to get back to them and hopefully help them on their real estate journey Awesome. awesome. Thank you so much. Well, this is the REI Foundation podcast with Jason and Peely. Thank you again to Danny Randazzo for being on the show. And thank you to all of you for listening. We're so grateful. Thank you and bye. Thank you guys. Thanks, Danny. We appreciate each of you listening to our show. And if you like what you hear, please go to iTunes and leave us a five-star rated review. Five stars. And... Give us some questions on Facebook. We'd love to have your questions answered by our guests on some of our next show. You can find us on Facebook at the REI Foundation Podcast with Jason and Peely. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into the REI Foundation Podcast. Check back next time for more awesome tips and strategies to launch your new you in real estate.